0: Tonight's movie is the Danny Boyle and Alex Garland space exploration meditation, Sunshine. Sunshine was Boyle and Garland's second collaboration together after the terrifying sleeper 28 Days Later. And although Sunshine has a top-notch ensemble cast, for all intensive purposes, the film's lead is 28 Days Later star Killian Murphy. Jesse, there's not much time. I need to know. Where is he? Is he here? For seven years, I spoke with God. He told me to take us all to heaven.
1: I thought of a spoiler for this movie, but now I can't remember. Cause like the last 30 minutes is just all kind of a blur.
2: This is Sunshine Spoilers. It's all the blur, man. It seemed like a cop-out at first, Stevie. I'm still on the fence. Was that an actual spoiler or not?
1: <laughs> well, this is the blurriest fucking movie
3: I've ever seen, Josh.
1: So I think it'll be okay.
3: <laughs> wow. I see. Already throwing the hate at Sunshine. One of the great movies of the 2000s.
4: Yeah, what's the big idea here?
3: Yeah, this is one of Sydney's
2: top 10 movies.
3: Hey,
1: I wasn't hating I just. I can make an observation and say this is one of the blariest movies I've ever seen, and also one of the best movies I've ever seen, can I? Ooh, is that true? No, not even close. But hey. I am your host, Stevie. Thanks for that segue, Josh. And um, today we are doing a very special episode. This is from one of our patrons, uh, Sydney. Woohoo! Yeah, right? Sunshine was her pick. Uh, should I go ahead and read her message, Josh?
2: I would read it for sure. Okay. Happywood. and he's not here so you gotta <laughs> okay her message starts
1: off with y'all are a, fun, a ton of fun to listen to uh, it'd be pretty cool to hear an episode on sunshine from 2007 movie is pretty firmly in my top 10 and I think it's criminally underrated it's uh, it actually only showed in like 10 theaters in the US when it came out so I guess my opening question would be, what is your favorite underrated movie and why is it underrated? And we'll go with that one. Let's go from uh, East to west.
4: Oh, okay. This is Brett from Fort Wayne. Uh, let's see, underrated movie. I didn't think about this too much. I will just go with a movie that I know critics hated. We've barely talked about it here, but I'm going to go with Grandma's Boy.
3: (laughs) You bring that up all the time. (laughs) I know. Brett, I feel like we just talked
2: about Grandma's Boy.
3: We did. We were talking about- I feel like you do an impression from uh,
1: Grandma's Boy at least once an episode. Mm
2: -hmm. Stop talking about him.
4: (laughs) Don't be mad at us. Um, I just think it's really funny. We actually talked about it on Sunday um, on spoilers. I just think it's really funny. I think Nick Swordson's like made for that role and I think Alan Covert showed he could be a leading man. I mean, it was like kind of for him. Again, I'm not saying it's a great movie or anything like that, but I just think it's really funny and I wish more people talked about it in a good way. That's all I have to say about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is Josh from Goshen. I, f- I feel like... I heard some comedian say something like, "Whenever you hear something is underrated or overrated, like who is the they in their in your mind doing this rating? Like, how is something underrated or overrated? It's just kind of a funny question to me. Uh, Probably
1: something not of people bring up a lot,
2: but yeah. Yeah, it's like you hold near and dear. Oh, I have an answer though, Stevie. This is just my little segue. I got that. you. I got you. But anyway, I for the last. Kyla, hopefully you'll feel me with this. But for the last twenty years, I can't figure out why more people aren't talking about Young Guns on a daily basis. Just in general, it's like yep. It seems like it should come up more in pop culture. Like more songs should reference it. I know a couple do. Hopefully, one's playing in the background now. But you know. It's not only underrated as a whole in society, but also on this podcast. I'm looking at you, Stevie. Actually, you gave it a yes. I'm looking at you, I gave Pap. it a yes, bro. I'm looking at Pappy. I'm looking at Mikey. We already did the Swords and Shields episode, but that still f- ticks me off. Way back in the day, spoilers lore, there's an early podcast on Young Guns, and it got resoundingly thumped by pretty <laughs> much everyone.
1: I was a big fan of Lou Diamond Phillips' screaming regulators, okay? Big fan of that scene.
3: Josh, that was before uh, they took out McCloskey (laughs) (laughs) because McCloskey wasn't with it, you know? Spoilers team. They had their own version of McCloskey who was on that episode, but he's since been removed.
2: Yeah. We bleep out his name a lot, but there is a redemption (laughs) mark or there is a redemption arc for this whole thing because Kylo, we did a podcast on Big Dumb Movie that kind of made up for it, don't Mm -hmm. you think? Dude,
3: I hate to do this, but I fucking love that episode. And I know I made that episode, right? I hosted it and I edited it. (laughs) You were in it. Cool brag, bro. (laughs) Your brother Josh, brother Jordan, both there, the brothers. We were all pals hanging out together. Steve was there. I I later found out that Jordan doesn't like Steve, which I think is hilarious. No, no. Because I've never heard that before. (laughs) But we had good chemistry on the podcast, but man- that fucking episode is a banger, dude. Certified Big Dumb Movie all-timer, in my opinion.
2: That was a lot of fun. I have a trip coming up. I'm going to re-listen to that. But that's my mo- That's my kind of joke answer. Young Guns, just because I wish it was more popular in, in the zeitgeist, Stevie, but it's just really not.
1: <laughs> I have an idea of why it's not. Oh, why, sir? It's purely because of Emilio Estevez. Because he starred in that movie. And, like, his career post Christ Almighty. I mean, when did he really stop acting? 96, 98? He just, like, stopped. And so, like. Young Guns
3: is, is an 80s movie.
1: Right. But, like, him, like, being, like, current or still in movies, like, gives no nobody an idea that, like, that movie exists.
2: I think there's a world. I see what you're saying. This movie
1: isn't carried through a younger generation is what I'm trying to say.
2: I think you're also saying that he's not up for like a lifetime achievement award anytime soon that doesn't seem to be in his path but there's an alternate universe 15 20 years ago where maybe that could have been
1: if he kept at it yeah i mean i think he's a good actor when he wants to be he looks just like his dad when he was younger but like a lot of people like if they see like a movie where it's like if they saw a current movie where it's Emilio, Emilio estevez and they're younger and they click on known for and they saw oh young guns i might watch that it might become more current but he stopped acting, so it's not.
4: Well, I saw him one time, and I was like, Emilio! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Emilio! Yeah. And he tipped
1: his cowboy hat like so.
3: Hello, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes, recording out of Simi Valley, California. I I like to have a little bit of preparation for these questions, and I had none. Good. So, God damn you for that. (laughs) At least I didn't have to go first, though, so that's good. Yeah, brutal. When it comes to underrated movies, first of all, the thing that I think of is people on Facebook. Now, of all the social medias out there, I am most active on Instagram and Facebook, so you can tell I'm old, right? I don't use TikTok, and I don't use Twitter, but... In Facebook, I'm in a lot of groups. Some of them are like nostalgia groups. Some of them are like specific fandoms, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Star Wars or just dumb shit that I like. But occasionally, I'll see like threads regarding movies where someone says like, uh, name an underrated movie, go. Or what's your favorite underrated movie? Or what's the most overrated movie? And for every one of these... Half the people just, I don't think, understand the fucking question. So this is kind of what you were saying, Josh, like about who is declaring that these are underrated or overrated. It's plebs on Facebook. Because it'll be like, what's the most underrated movie? And someone will say Pulp Fiction and it'll have 200 (laughs) likes. So people don't understand how that works. Now I'm going to go into my answer, and maybe I don't understand how that works either, because my answer is a movie directed by Martin Scorsese. You guys think Martin Scorsese might have any underrated movies before I say what it is? Mean Streets. Silence. It is Silence. Yeah. Silence is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen that are like, I don't know, Scorsese fans, that like Goodfellas, that are maybe more common moviegoers, not us sophistos with a podcast, of course. (laughs) But Silence was a movie that came out a few years ago, 2016. And it's a very long and a very slow burn about faith, I guess, on a very, if I want to give it a word. But there's a lot more to it than that. This is a old school Jesuit priests in Japan in like the 1400s and trying to keep your faith under the harshest of conditions. And I think it's it's really good and it asks a lot of questions. The big one being, you know, is there someone out there or am I praying to silence? And, you know, when they're really getting brutalized, these questions of priests come up in their minds. And I just think it has some of the Most amazing performances you'll see from Andrew Garfield and uh, Adam Driver. It's a really great
2: movie. It's, uh, It's heavy though. Try reading the book, yoink. The book starts off with the Jesuit priests exploring and they come upon a town that's been like ravaged and all the people were killed by like impaling them through their buttholes on bamboo sticks. Ah, Ooh, That's just you know. That's just a nice cold open for the book. But anyway, neither here <laughs> nor there. Thanks for that, Josh. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's, uh... Josh, I thought you were talking about the book meaning the Bible. I'm like, oh, look at Josh. <laughs> the good book.
4: <laughs> the good book. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that also starts with impaling. So, no, nah, I don't think it does. That's the editor's cut. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, this is Stevie recording from Elkhart, Indiana. <laughs> this movie's not great. And it is a future spoilers pick. Cause I do love Kevin Bacon. Um, and yeah, this is a white savior movie and it's corny as hell, but being from Indiana, I love basketball, man. And I love basketball movies.
5: Oh
4: yes. And
1: there, yeah. There's a movie he did. Jumbo. Exactly. Called the air up there. And, I think it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, he plays a college, um, a college assistant coach and recruiter that has pretty much been chasing off all these blue trip recruits, and he, he needs to land this. He needs to land a huge recruit, otherwise he's uh, gonna lose his job. And he sees film of a recruit in Africa, but he's the prince of a village, and his parents like won't let him leave to go to college to play. So he makes a bet with a, I think it's a rival village. On a pod race? Um, on a basketball game. Oh. And he has to teach a village through the goodness of hard work and leadership to learn the game of shooty hoops. And it's a really, really good movie. Do you like it, Brett? No. Uh, I loved, I haven't seen it a long time. But- it doesn't get talked about at all. Like, yeah, the Jimmy even,
4: Dolan shake and bake. Yeah. Jimmy oh, yeah,
1: Dolan. Man. Yeah, no one talks about that movie, even on like
4: sports yeah, movie lists. critics hated this movie. I know, but I enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I can't – Corey, you haven't seen it? Oh, my God, it's right up your alley. I can't believe
1: – This would be like a, a a Big Dumb Movie special,
4: honestly. Definitely. You might even hate it, but I think you'd enjoy I, – I, I like it. I don't know. I think it's funny. Cool, man. I haven't thought about that movie in a while. Have you seen it, George?
2: I have not, but it sounds awesome. Wow. And I'd love it for the spoilers basketball-only feed.
1: Yeah. Paps working I mean, on that. And you know, I'm probably gonna pick that really soon, so I'm glad like that question was asked because I've been waiting for an excuse to pick it. And <laughs> hopefully I can win around March Madness, so that'll be like the perfect time to do it. But let's get into this
2: movie. Yes.
0: One of the things that puts sunshine in a class by itself among sci-fi epics is its very subject matter, the sun. Not that I had ever thought about it before, but with all the space travel movies that have been made from the 50s to present day, it's rather remarkable that the sun itself, the most powerful object in our known existence, has been ignored.
1: Josh, you've seen this with me before, haven't you?
2: Uh, I had, but I think it must have been in a really sleepy state, dude. I didn't retain. it. Dude, much I don't remember anything. half this movie. I know, right? Is it because of the blurriness? I thought I saw it
1: too, and I was like, <laughs> I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I remember
2: liking it. I remember thinking it was cool, but I don't remember. Like honestly, I it felt like watching it again this time, which is it can be a good thing, right? I thought my brain
1: shut off, like. When I maybe my brain shut off when I first watched it because I'm watching this going I don't remember any
2: of this. Well, can I ask you something? Was there any scene during it that you were like, "Oh, I do remember this part"? Kind
1: of. You see, it my brain made Chris Evans look different from the last time I saw it too. It was really weird what my brain did with this movie, but I do remember Mercury floating by like distinctly. I like distinctly remember that.
2: Oh. Scene. Dude, that is so weird at the end of when you picked, or when we heard this movie was being picked, I was basically like forgot Chris Evans was in it. But I did remember like those pictures that they're taking of the crew and they're like looking. Yeah. up. And then when they have the flashlight and it's like popping their faces in like two or three frames at a time, like. How the hell is my brain retaining that versus like <laughs> major plot points and way cooler looking things in this movie? I got one thing
3: that is one of the big things that stuck with me. It's just like a, a short dialogue exchange, but it's delivered really well. And it's something that Chris Evans, as Mace says pretty early on when they see Icarus 1, when he says, we're not going to do that when they suggesting that they go back to it. And he says his little line about, just to make it absolutely clear, there's no way we're gonna do that. Do I have to spell <laughs> it out for you? And like, I don't know, I've, I've always Shit. been on that character's side since the first time I saw this. Like, no, absolutely fucking not, right? Like, I mean, we can kind of get to this later if you guys want, but we probably won't. So let's talk to, let's talk about it now. We can get into it now. They're in Icarus too. Yeah, please. They're on their way to the sun to drop a payload, basically a nuke on the sun to kickstart it, right?
0: I'd say we could adjust our trajectory. We could fly straight to them. But we're not gonna do that. Just to make it absolutely clear, there's no way we're gonna do that. Do I have to spell it out for you? We have a payload to deliver to the heart of our nearest star. We're delivering that payload because that star is dying. And if it dies, we die. Everything dies. So that is our mission. There is nothing, literally, nothing more important than completing our mission. End of story. He's right. He's right. Of course I'm right. Is anyone here seriously considering otherwise?
2: Can I add a little nugget, though, to that? There can, be, there can be no Icarus 3 because they've, quote, mined all Earth's fissile materials at this point. so No more
3: iPhones.
1: It's all gone.
2: This is it. This is the last Icarus. Yes.
1: Yeah.
3: This is the last Icarus. Icarus 1 did not make it. They don't know why. They don't know how. But they do come across Icarus 1. And their first thought, which is kind of unspoken, but you feel it, is... Maybe we should go see what went on over there.
4: <laughs> I don't get it.
1: What, Stevie? I don't fucking get it, man.
4: Hey, you well, I mean, it,
1: it well, really bothers me. Like this, this, I like this part of the plot really bugs me to a T. If I mean, these makes, people,
4: a, makes a rational argument,
1: no, there's not. In a scientist's mind, there's not really like rational arguments for it.
0: May I put a counter-argument? No! Captain, go ahead. It would, of course, be absurd to alter our trajectory to assist the crew of the Icarus One. Even if we knew that some or even all of that crew are still alive, their lives are entirely expendable when seen in the context of our mission. As are our own lives. Exactly. However, there is something on board the Icarus One that may be worth the detour. As
4: you pointed out, Mace, we have a payload to deliver. A payload, singular. Now, everything
0: about the delivery and effectiveness of that payload is entirely theoretical. Simply put, we don't know if it's gonna work. But what we do know is this. If we had two bombs, we'd have two chances.
1: Think of it this way. What makes something like not worthwhile is compounding variables. What right, they're planning to doing, what they're planning on doing, is nothing but compounding variables. It's absurd. This idea to do that, right?
4: But he's also—that's uh, on one side, compound. But he's also on the other side using simple bath where two is better than one.
1: Right, but to get to the two is nothing but
4: nonstop variables. You see what I'm saying?
1: But it's it like, wouldn't have
4: been if there wasn't some crazy bird man, burning man. <laughs> going around. I mean, I'm with you in, in hindsight. It's a terrible idea. It screws. And they Michigan even say but-
1: they like, they even say like, we don't know what went wrong, which is endless possibility.
4: He didn't like, he didn't like either
1: choice.
2: What went wrong the first time is Benedict Wong's character, Trey, right? He yep. plotted a course and did all the math and did it correctly, but he forgot to set the sun shield. Accordingly. And there's like a really big moment here early in the movie where he kind of breaks down the humanness of getting stressed and making a silly mistake. And I I like this part, but I also feel like Sydney, our patron, missed a huge, a huge, like a huge miss for an opening question. Don't you think it would have been a more on brand to ask us, like, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life? Ooh. Something real light like that to start off the pod? Wouldn't that have been more on brand? Note for this? the
3: patrons: don't don't ask those kinds of questions, please.
1: Didn't we do that for the uh, time travel movie with Ethan Hawke? Predestination. <laughs> what you would change if you
4: could go back in time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah so
1: pretty heavy
2: question. That was real heavy. We've gotten a hindsight. couple of zoomers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, what's your biggest mistake? So, Trey makes the mistake. He doesn't set the, sh- the sun's shield to the correct waypoint or whatever. And so like they basically know maybe our whole mission is messed up now because of this. And Stevie, the whole reason I bring this up right now is because it's the compounding variables that gets them, right? They allowed a window for human air to enter, and it yes. did.
1: Well, I mean, there's going to be human air no matter what, like in a mission like this. But to increase it is absurd to me. I thought it was odd to make um, Chris Evans like the voice of reason, a character we would side with immediately, and not like our main character.
2: Does that make sense? Here's the thing, though, Stevie. I was convinced in the movie because let's okay, let's say I'm going to your house later after this podcast, and you're right. like, and you're like, hey, stop by Martin's to get breadsticks, and that's my mission. I have to get <laughs> breadsticks from sorry volcanoes. And get them to your house,
1: okay? I mean, I would be really happy if you did it. They have the best breadsticks.
2: So, on my way there, it's like, I could also get KFC chicken, too. That's on the way. You're right. And, yeah, there's there's more variables. But, like, I know how to drive my car. I'm going to get there okay. I have plenty of gas. Like, what's the problem? And I think the crew kind of has this attitude, like, we know how to steer this thing. We've been training for a long time. We can kind of check out what the crew did, get that, human, get that human finality, maybe pick up the payload, but either way, we should be able to do the mission anyway.
4: Yeah, I wanted to find out... One of the things was they wanted to find out what went wrong and if they could change. Again, it's all a terrible idea in the end, but, I mean, I don't know.
3: Josh, you're delivering those breadsticks because the nearest spoiler man is dying, and if he dies this podcast died (laughs) so that's your mission there is nothing literally nothing more important than completing that mission end of story
1: the kfc though like it's absurd
2: why because like that big bucket is kind of too expensive for what it is or
1: well the big bucket like there may be more food but i have a greater chance of dying because you made a detour
3: does that make sense (laughs) yeah perfect sense great analogy an exact one-to-one in in no way a false equivalency
0: (laughs) the sun after millions of years is beginning to dim Making life understandably problematic back on Earth. Our planet's final solution to this problem rests in the crew of the spaceship Icarus, clever name, Alex, whose plan is to drop a nuclear bomb into the core of the sun, hopefully, jumpstarting it.
2: Let's do a spoilers thing and fast forward into the movie stevie if you don't mind i do you know i jump
1: around go ahead
2: there's a point where they're at like a low moment with the crew uh trey has just killed himself later on actually quote and, unquote ooh come back to that one. Ouch. Tr- interesting interesting but anyway yeah. uh chris evans mace makes this huge speech about how he took responsibility and every death, and he lists every single person, was, and you think he's gonna say Trey's fault, but then he's like, Kappa's fault. This is all silly <laughs> and Murphy's fault. And I was like, why is Killian. he burying him right now like that? Did that strike you as odd, Stevie, that he just sniped him out of nowhere after Trey's dead body is just sitting in a pool of blood?
0: All these deaths, Canada. Searle, Harvey, Trey, none of them would have happened if you hadn't diverted the mission. What do you want me to say? I don't want you to say shit. I just want you to know that this belongs here.
1: Was Chris Evans supposed to be the main character? No. God, no. I mean, it didn't strike me as odd because these two were obviously competitive with each other from the get-go. I don't think they've ever liked one another. And I think this just like adds you to the fire of like, I know I've always hated this guy. This guy is the reason everyone on earth is gonna die. And like, <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm proving myself true here by hating this guy. And it's, he's just lashing out.
3: Well, I wanna answer Stevie's question about the main character thing because I remember the first time I watched this, it was recommended on a podcast that I listened to called The Weekly Planet. Really amazing podcast for geeks. Mm. That's yeah. a good name, I like but that. they—that's a really good. They name. talked about this movie and how great it was. I watched this movie a long time ago and I thought it was great also. So I, I do really like this. But you know, from the beginning, I am definitely on Mace's side, which is Chris Evans, and you know when he <laughs> dies off, and we're we're following more of Killian Murphy. That was a huge bummer to me, but it wasn't like. <laughs> It wasn't like a betrayal, right? Like some people consider other parts of this movie to be. I use the word betrayal because that's what I heard Quentin Tarantino say about the third act of this movie, that it was a betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: Dude, we can spend like an hour on the third act. I cannot wait for that. Wait.
2: Not a plot point in the movie being a betrayal by a character, but the whole third act is a betrayal as an act of a movie. Oh, my gosh. That is harsh. He was very harsh about
3: the third act and very kind about the first and second act, so much so that he kind of ended his um, speech about the movie with um, that the first act and second act are so good that it makes up for it.
0: Boyle and Garland are one of cinema's most intriguing odd couples. Boyle being quite high-minded, almost to the point of eruditeness, while Garland's aesthetic is of a much more pulpier nature, bordering on fanboyness. One can imagine Boyle grew up reading Sight and Sound, while Garlands Film Magazine of Choice would definitely have to be Fangoria. And as long as Boyle doesn't give too many interviews, bad-mouthing George Romero during the press tour of 28 Days Later was extremely disrespectful, especially when your entire third act of your movie is taken from Day of the Dead, their odd couple collaboration not only works, but works wonders. In the case of Sunshine, Boyle's high-mindedness takes the form of high-reaching ambition. Boyle doesn't appear to be any more of a sci-fi fan than he was of zombie movies, having a taste for only the best and most serious, which in his estimations are Kubrick's 2001, Douglas Trumbull's Silent Running, Tarkovsky's Solaris, and Ridley Scott's Alien. And if Boyle intends to throw his hat in the sci-fi ring, it's that level of cinema he and Tim Sunshine to equal. In today's cinema landscape, that level of ambition is both laudable and inspiring. The fact that the finished film doesn't quite reach that high level of ambition for reasons I will get to in a moment is no shame on Boyle and Garland's glory and why I chose to screen it
1: Josh I know you've seen this movie before and I think a long time ago you recommended it to me and that's why I watched it how beautiful like is this movie like as far as like CGI goes I think it's gorgeous personally especially for
2: the budget yeah I feel like they use it sp- artistically and sp- like sparsely just especially in the first two acts to QT's mm-hmm. point. And I think one little payoff that I really love in this movie, Stevie is they show you these closeups of the shield early in the movie in kind of abstract angles. A lot of closeups,
1: a lot of vibrating yep. and you don't
2: know what the hell you're looking at. And then maybe like 15, 12 minutes into the movie, just visually kind of gets explained. And you're like, oh, that's what the hell I've been looking at. I love that movie magic when you just see a visual that's cool and it's just making you curious. And the movie does that really well A lot in a lot of ways.
1: They do a really great camera trick. I mean, it's obviously green screen, but it's the function of how it works is, which is you think you're staring at the sun and then you realize it's something else and it like pans back to behind it and you realize it's a giant ship and that's the shield. Like kind of what you were talking about. That's that's great camera work and a good idea for this movie.
4: I think the sun looks amazing.
1: The sun does look great. And Corey, I... I don't think I've ever really talked about this with you before. I don't really know how you feel about ensemble movies, or it's really isn't an ensemble movie, but there's a lot of characters. Like, what do you think of the chemistry like, of these characters in this movie, like with the actors?
3: Comes together really well. You know, I think uh some are more prevalent than others, but when you're watching this, you can't help but feel like occasionally just wanting to strangle some of these people, you know? <laughs> There's a dude named Harvey. I mean, it's a, it's a group of, like, scientists and uh, specific experts in some areas. And I don't think every one of them is explained or every one of them really needs to be explained. Like, I assume Chris Evans is, like, an engineer.
4: He is an engineer.
3: Right. I know them all. So, they kind of, you know, they, they convey that in a way that's indirect. It's not like, you're the blah, you're the blah. Like, it comes up here and there when it's relevant. But you kind of get an idea when you see them working. But the communications guy that they have, Harvey, it gets to a point where I'm like, "Fuck this dude," you know. Like, and and that's a testament to the movie because it's really well made, and people are panicking. And we talked about human error being an element of the movie. We see human flaws as well, right? Not everyone is completely thinking on the up and up, right? Doing the right thing for the right cause, and right. Uh, that Harvey guy, man. He's one of them. Maybe we can talk about that scene.
4: He's got a really good explanation of himself. He had a a very simple explanation for his character why it's like that way. He said, uh, Harvey is the only crew member who misses his family back home on Earth and attempts to hide the fact, but it definitely comes out. It comes out as cowardice um, at the end, but I mean, because he's the exact opposite of what uh, what's his face is. um, Kaneda? Yeah, He's like the exact opposite who's like, you know, really, you know, he'll do anything to protect his people. And even if it means to die, his people or his mission, like, it just goes to the fact that of what's so likable, something that's likable about Chris Evans' character is he's a dick. He wants to survive, but when they're all together, I mean, literally 15 minutes earlier, him and a few people are talking about, they might have to kill three people. To save oxygen. So then at the end, when they're like only one person can wear a spacesuit, he doesn't even question it. He goes and starts putting the the spacesuit on Kappa. Because he's like, without Kappa, we're not gonna be able to get this payload.
2: He also put the spacesuit on Kappa when they had to go out there and fix those like shields that have come loose. Essentially volunteering Kappa to go. Possibly die. I mean, (laughs) that is how Canada died. It's
3: really delivered in the best possible way, right? It's so funny. He goes, "I volunteer."
0: Okay, I'll get suited up. It's a two-man job. A second in command. You're not going anywhere. I volunteer. No, I volunteer. Fine. I volunteer, Kappa.
2: I volunteer, Kappa. (laughs) (laughs) He. Yeah, he's really a douche. I'm surprised he's also a <laughs> hardcore mace. Like, Oh, I'm not hardcore mace. I,
4: I said to Brittany, I said every time he comes around and I'm just like, oh man, he's really cool, he just reminds me just how much of a dick he is. Like, yes, he I get he is, uh, what does he describe himself as? Uh, dry and morally uncomplicated. So, I mean, that's definitely what it is. He doesn't care what you think. He's going to make the decision that's best for the mission. But Like the whole putting the blood on someone's hands in the crisis they're in, that's not really necessary. I think they all feel terrible as it is, but he's a, he's calculating cold, but he's, he's a dick. I mean, I don't know. It's, I I have a hard time believing that you two don't see that he's a dick.
2: I love as well. Michelle Yeoh's way of calming him down isn't to say calm down, but just to point out, what you're doing right now isn't good for the mission because you're exerting yourself and using a lot of oxygen. Mm. And she just knows; like, she doesn't even have to stay there to watch him to make sure he doesn't keep trying to punch Kappa. She just walks off because she knows.
4: I also like when he's like, "Oh, don't worry, that's just the metal expanding," and she's like, "Yeah, I know." Like uh, early on in the movie, I like that too. Yeah, she's pretty good. It's
3: it's one of those things, like right, it's kind of for the audience that line, but they they inject a way to like, I don't know, kind of introduce their a kind of shaky chemistry in that moment as well, right? It's not just to tell the audience what the sound is. It's also so like we can kind of get a bit of their interaction.
4: <clears throat> but again, the, they might have had amazing chemistry, but what are we guessing? They've been out there for 16 months? Is that what they say? And in a perfect world, they'll be out there for... Another 16 months. Obviously, they don't make it that long, but... I I know we're ripping on the third act, and I consider it like a fever dream, but my favorite scene is at the very beginning of the third act, and I hope... when we get there, I want to... I think it was like... Goosebumps, like, it actually gave me like a chill. It's like when it turned into a horror movie, but we'll get to that if you want to wait.
0: All through the film's first and second act, Garland keeps upping the ante of the dilemma the crew faces. Just when circumstances for our hapless crew seem at their most dire, Garland always seems to find a way to make matters worse, twisting the knife in both the crew and the audience's guts. And while Ridley Scott's alien brought a level of underclass warfare alien to the science fiction genre, Boyle and Garland bring a level of realistic humanity to the crew of the Icarus, herefore unmatched in the annals of sci-fi.
4: I loved the scene where Kappa's doing like his last calculations after they've had the disaster with Icarus one. And then he's talking to uh, Icarus, whatever you want to call her. And she's like, you won't live. And he's like, wait, explain. And then she starts explaining. He's like, there's four people. She's like, there's five people. And it's just like, holy crap. And she's, he's just like, I don't know. I thought it was really, really well done. It uh, I kind of turned into a horror movie. Uh-oh, Stevie didn't like it.
2: Let's talk let's talk about this. We've already spoiled that the third act is the weakest, but
4: I'm not saying that the guy, the fireman, is great. I just like that part where he's introduced.
2: I do too, Brett. And I think <laughs> if there would have been a guy sneaking on, and maybe even a guy trying to like sabotage a mission, that would be fine. But the way it goes, like full horror and he's a monster. You know what I mean? And he's like all the tropes therein is where it like loses you. Cause like maybe that's well, a betrayal but- QT's talking <laughs> about. Like you're kind of bought into the sci-fi thing and True. it's this left turn.
4: I saw another good explanation by the guy who plays uh Searle and I don't think they do a very good job of explaining this. Like Searle Cyril- And, uh, what's the name? Got a really ridiculous name. Pinbacker, Pinbacker have, they have a very similar thing that they have. They have a very parallel storyline going on, uh, just seven years in reverse. I mean, seven years later, they're both, they both become obsessed with the sun to the point where Searle's going to eventually, even if the mission goes well, he's going to eventually fry himself because I mean, you guys noticed, obviously, that his skin's peeling off. Well, from what it sounds like, it sounds like that's exactly what Pinbacker Pinbacker did, too. Both got obsessed with it. The difference was Searle uh, sacrificed those beliefs and views that he was coming up with in his mind. He sacrificed that for the greater good of the mission, which is why he stayed at the end, because all that stuff like that. But Pinbacker sacrificed the mission for his really crazy beliefs about God and the sun and the the universe deserves to die and everything like that so i thought there was a cool parallel
2: so pinbacker also kills his crew or do they commit suicide and he takes th- th- them out I, th- I think
4: he fried them that's
2: what i think it sounds like just from what i read i mean again i think it's
4: i think it's ambiguous for sure it sounds like that they just went and fried but themselves but it doesn't mean that he didn't like lock them in there or whatever like he obviously sabotaged their mission.
2: Do you think there's a draft for this movie where they all were sacrificing themselves, but he got like his X Men powers from the sun blasting them or something? God. So that he survived. It. I mean, he doesn't have any powers. That's Uh-oh. the kind
1: of. Yeah, he does have powers. Yes, he does. To say he doesn't is insane. Yes, he does.
3: He's Sunspot. He gets one extra power for every unspent energy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> He's just insane. I mean, I don't know.
2: I mean, (laughs) like, he he can survive for seven years out in space alone. It's a good superpower. It. With loose skin. I mean. But he had unlimited
4: oxygen and food because everyone else was dead.
2: It, like,
1: I mean this in the best of ways. Like, the end, like, the last 30 minutes of this movie is insane, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fever dream. It's pretty wild. Yeah. We turn from a beautiful, thought-provoking sci-fi movie into a monster in the house who done it. Like, I mean, the transition is so fast. It's just like Brett said, it's like that little thing that Icarus says, and we have a brand new movie.
4: No, it's and- true. And again, I, I yeah, I want to make sure that you know that I, I agree with you what you're saying. I just liked if they were gonna go that way, I liked how they went that way. I remember thinking the whole time, man, this movie is freaking dope. And then after the end, Brittany and I were just like looking at each other, like, "Man, that got really weird at the end."
2: Dude, I think it's an awesome twist to think that a crew member survived and sabotage the first mission and would attempt to sabotage a second. That is cool. That is he great. Just, right. He shouldn't be a zombie, and they just dis- should dispatch <laughs> him quickly. There's enough suspense because they're approaching the fucking sun.
4: We got Especially it. Especially since he's an amazing actor. And you have one of the best villain actors out there, and you're like, not. I didn't really even know it was Mark strong. strong. I didn't know it was him. I did. I did. And That's why it's like, man, he's he's only going to be in this movie for two minutes, and you can barely tell if Sammy's got a ridiculous Russian accent. You
2: got a lot of blur. But then you got a lot of blur. Yeah. If they kill him I quickly, they, it, don't you think there's enough suspense approaching definitely. the sun without the zombie?
4: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you. Yeah, for sure, I, I agree with that. And that's like you said, maybe that's kind of like the best of both worlds between what I liked and what Stevie hated. Well, is you can introduce him like that. And then you can he can lead to Chris Evans's death. And then like, oh, he gets jettisoned out into the sun or something. I don't know. It it could have been a 10 minute thing.
2: Kylo, Uh, he's like Carnage. Every person he destroys, he gets plus two power. (laughs) 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 Oh, our
3: Marvel snap references are very much going to be noticed by the audience, I'm sure.
4: I think a lot of people play.
3: This small amount of time, though, that this movie spends on being a whodunit, right? When that comes into question, when they get out of the disaster and they say, okay, we had an airlock blow or whatever, the docking port, whatever it was, there was an incident and they... Some of them escaped. Some of them didn't. There were some hard decisions made, but they were like, okay, it's let's awesome. sit down. Who did this? Who did right? this? <laughs> that is a really good moment because like, you don't even think about it up until they sit down and ask that question. right? Things are just going wrong. So yeah. Like, when they're in the midst of their exploration of Icarus 1 and then they have to get the fuck out of there because things start going wrong, you don't really think about it. You don't really think about why are things yeah. going wrong. They're just in a bad place. But when they sit down and talk about it, it's like, oh shit. It's like things just keep building. And then like you guys said, you know, the ending comes and feel about it how you feel about it. But that
2: little bit, that little who done it bit, really that good, tasty. Like four minutes, that's like 12 ang- angry men in four minutes as a skit within this movie. And it's, ex- <laughs> it's honestly excellent.
0: So I've been through Icarus's activity file and I checked it and double checked it and Corey triple checked it. And it's the same results. So in other words, unless Icarus is deleting her own files, she didn't do it.
5: And there was no malfunction on the airlock hardware.
0: Which means the airlock was decoupled manually. Cassie and I were on the flight deck the whole time. And I was with Captain Searle. And I think we can all assume it wasn't Harvey. Which leaves one possibility. Trey. Trey's so doped up he can hardly walk or feed himself. He sleeps for 23 hours a day, and he blames himself for everything that's gone wrong. Why would he do it? We don't know, but the possibility remains that it was him, and we got to take that seriously.
2: I had this bookmarked for the pod. It's us four, just like there's four people at that table. Are we sending one of us out to murder Trey? Like, what's your vote here, guys? Is Trey uh, Pappy? Trey is Pappy and Pappy fucked us all over by making some mistake.
4: His illiteracy, his illiteracy cost us our lives.
2: Yeah, we lost, we lost all the sponsors and Patreons because of Pappy. Do we cut him out? I'll take I'll take care of it, guys, by the way. I don't want to pass the buck. I think we know that I think we know that we you know, don't do guys. that shit. I'll do it. We know. Okay. No,
4: okay. I'll I would I guess I would vote yes, but I would not do it. I, I couldn't do it.
2: I said, I'll do it. You just have to vote yes or no. Give me your vote and I'll kill him. And I'll fire him from spoilers. And the way I'll fire him is between me and him. (laughs) Make it easy. Do you want us to really vote? So that's a yes.
3: Stevie, (laughs) what's your
2: vote? You're the closest. I was trying to
3: remember what the character named Corey said. He cost us
2: all his Patreon, all of our Patreons, Stevie. Every one of them.
1: And the vote would be if we killed him, we get him all back. No, if we just fire him. Oh, if we fired him, we're not killing him. Fired fire from spoilers. Steve's I'll do like, it. oh, <laughs> dang. That's less stakes. Yeah, it's way less stakes. Uh, I mean, no, you're not firing Pap, and if you do, I'm going with
4: is, him. Is he a uh,
2: sunspot zombie, though? Kylo, spell it out for him. He doesn't get it, he doesn't understand the oxygen in the room. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why don't we just put ourselves in this exact situation? No,
1: I'm I'm good. I'd rather stay. What in if cold. you'd vote to kill somebody to like save humanity?
2: Yeah, and it's we'll say Pappy. Do we off Pappy? I say in this in the movie, Kylo, honestly, like I don't think I would vote for Trey to die because of the mistake he made, but because of the way he's incapacitated and not a help to the crew anymore. I probably, and taking up the oxygen that you need, yeah, <laughs> that the that the mission needs, and I'm part, mission. Of, I'm part of the mission. So it helps me, true, but that doesn't mean it's not the right decision. <laughs> this I, is
4: kind of like, would you kill baby Hitler if you could? He's like cooing at you with his little mustache, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, cooing at you.
4: <laughs> That's
3: the weirdest <laughs> looking evil baby you've ever seen.
4: So, no, cool, cool, now. cool. Oh, I hate the
2: Jews. <laughs> yeah, that got interesting. So nice that his lines ended. No more little Hitlers.
5: Again.
3: I'll say this. Wong had to go at that point.
4: Yeah.
2: He had to go. Uh, Benedict Wong. Sorry, Wongers. Doesn't he give you t- two times all your reveal?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did. I got four times today. Yep. No one's going to get the... Well, Stevie doesn't get these snap references, but...
2: Stevie, do you hate it? We can stop with a snap. So I thought it was funny. But. If people...
1: Dude, if the audience likes it, I don't
2: care. All right, write in. I'm just, I'm just the host, man. <laughs> <laughs> right in if you guys like it.
3: On reveal times two. <laughs> yeah, he gets both
0: wrists. Snap. Even the fact that the entire film's dilemma stems from an act of human error has a resonance beyond the scope of most films in his genre. Not an evil computer with a mind of its own, an android with a secret agenda, an alien possessed human being, a bumbling idiot, or a malevolent Doctor Smith type, but a trusted professional who simply made a mistake, but in doing so doomed his comrades to death. I
4: don't, and I also don't put stock. It's not like I everything Quentin Tarantino talks about is gold in my opinion. But man, the first two acts are really, really good. It's like because on Amazon it was three ninety nine to rent. And four ninety nine to buy, and I actually talked Brittany into buying it. Let's go! And for like two thirds of this movie, I'm like, like, "Yes, I can't wait to like tell people to watch this movie. It's so cool." <laughs> and again, I'm not saying I still won't do that, but it's like, man, I wonder if they did it again. If they he would do that because I've never seen Twenty Eight Days Later, but I heard it's really good, and it's the same combination of the three people. Days
1: so. and weeks are both really good yeah yeah I, I highly recommend both of them
3: well I know that Alex Garland also directed ex machina and he wrote that was his that was his debut Damn. he wrote this movie yeah, wrote that it was then, his de- directorial debut right yeah.
4: yeah yeah and then he also did he also wrote and directed Annihilation which I haven't seen any of those movies but I've heard they're all really good so
3: yes thought provoking sci-fi and you know this is in a lot of its runtime also thought
2: provoking sci-fi. Stevie, is 28 Days Later the first one, and then 28 Weeks Later is the second one?
1: Right. There's supposed to be a 28 months, but there's a lot of tie-ups with who owns the rights to what, and there's never going to be another third movie, ever.
4: Well, actually, the original prequel was 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. I got you. Is that with Ethan Hawke, too? I don't know. She's in rehab or something. It's not related, but- (laughs) I
1: know. (laughs) This movie is so gorgeous, and it's so much fun to watch, and it's just a lot of suspense Building with, you know, I, I have a theory that this movie was never supposed to end with a horror who done it for a lot of the movie. I do not believe Alex Garland wrote the last 30 pages of the script. I do not. I don't believe it. Even like in his younger self and working with Danny Boyle, I don't think he had a hand in any of this man. Like none of the like none of that comes off as like what he's written ever since.
3: Maybe he's just learned from a mistake, though. You know, maybe he sees this as a mistake and he decided to kind of keep things going in a singular direction. I mean, I'm not totally against the genre shift conceptually, like, right, Right. in theory, shifting the genre like this. As much as I love the first two acts and, like, that genre type, I would be okay with it changing into something if it was something that I found more interesting, I don't think I hate the third act as much as you guys do. Oh, I don't hate
4: it either. Just to let you know, I don't hate it. There's some
3: really okay. good
2: moments in it, to be honest.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's some things about like the cinematography that I actually like in the third act. Uh, the fever dream aspect, I think, is, is good for that because it's almost like in the mind of this person who's just been staring directly into the sun for... <laughs> however many years and he's just a completely fucking warped individual that's been isolated in space but anyway that the third act is definitely the most flawed was the point i was getting at there it is for sure the least good and i think that can be said universally
0: so by anyone that likes this movie alas garland can't keep up his scenarios high quality once we reach the film's third act, basically when you start figuring out what's going on, Garland's script takes a creative nosedive and basically becomes another, there's a monster on board and he's killing off the crew members one by one. And in that regard, it's actually inferior to Roger Corman's late 70s alien ripoffs like Forbidden World and Galaxy of Terror. We wouldn't get that scene
2: where Killian Murphy pulls the hatch and like, Michelle Yao's Body and a bunch of debris just goes flying I like, out. I like that. Yeah, that a was, nice little touch.
4: Yeah, that was uh, that was like a holy crap! I forgot about her.
2: I mean, sad because she is such an awesome character, but there really are. I, I get the betrayal comment by QT and that's like hilarious, but there's some essential parts in the third act. And maybe could we do Kylo like one of those edits where we do this movie and just like cut out all the zombie stuff and make it like a 90 minute flat movie?
1: I think it works if you start the movie where they land on a one. That's the only way that type of shift works.
4: Yeah, that's true. So if you what start you the
1: movie, like, if you start the movie with kind of a preamble of like, here's the situation we're in. I like that. Like, we got a beacon. Like you start off with them talking about we got a beacon signal from, you know, Icarus One, and like Alien. that's like you literally start with that, and you were like the movie arrives on Icarus One. That type of shift works. Oh, I got you. I got Too you. alien,
4: though. I mean, I think it would have been. It's
1: better than an amazing sci-fi movie and then a who done it. The thought, the last act, zombie who done it. You know, who done thought the last act. That's the only way that works.
2: <sighs> For as much as we're shitting on this, no, I love this movie, but I'm just telling you, like that is so jarring. That plot point that we're shitting on. Everything that Cyril. That's his name, right? Yeah. Everything that he is like doing, his character arc, he's getting more like sunburnt. He's staying in the tanning bed like way too often, way too much. All that stuff. Like, there's the part where you are like looking at his, at that Captain Pinbacher's like a still frame of his eyes looking all creepy when he's talking about like some damage to their ship being beautiful. (sighs) And I think there's a couple other ones too, but I, I think there is enough planting to make the payoff work here. But like, it literally just comes down to like, it's a zombie and I can't get <laughs> over it. Like, Do you think it, do you think it works if he's just a man? Like I've been surviving yes. on this ship for this long. Yes. Yeah. And he should, and he should not be like good at stuff anymore. Like he shouldn't be sneaky. It's like, just like the end of Ad Astra. He should be barely functioning and just trying and like helpless. And they kind of have to kill him and it's like kind of sad, but then they're, back to their journey of isolation against the sun again.
3: If I'm going to think of a change, which I I didn't really think about re- realistically before we started this pod, but kind of listening to you guys and maybe expanding on some of this, my change is this. So I say the, you know, few minutes we get of a who done it is really good. Like how did this disaster happen that killed a couple people and even worsened our situation? Spend more time on that make them start turning on each other in a bigger way than they did before, right? Where it seems to be one of them as the obvious choice. That was the only person that was away, right? They approach this person. They have to kind of like take them out. Maybe they, um, you know, maybe they just maim them or maybe they actually try to kill them or something like that. A fight breaks out. And then something in the movie reveals that actually it points to this other person, and then we, the audience, are thinking that it's actually another person. By the time they get to the sun, we do find this kind of warped, now burned-up religious guy that is, like you said, Josh, not like a superhuman, right? He's not like an inhuman <laughs> all of a sudden, but this guy that is easily dispatched, but has been the cause of many woes.
4: I like that. I I got a little. Yeah, that's man. It sounds better. Than what okay, we got? I got a little. Wrinkle, too. I don't know. Like, they don't – Trey or whatever is okay with his oxygen, but they, like, blame him for that stuff, and they ended up actually killing him. And then they find out that Pinbocker is on the ship, and I don't know, they have some talk with them, and they ended up killing him or they something.
2: They could have killed him instead. <laughs>
4: yeah. Something like that. Like, that's, like, a really simple – but then again, it's like, why – So, I don't know, again, I thought that was kind of, it kind of worked, the surprise aspect, but, yeah, the follow through at the end was a little different.
0: The third act tumbling of of Sunshine goes far beyond disappointment. The feeling I experienced was one of betrayal. Betrayal to me, the audience, and betrayal to the filmmakers' own ideals. Garland's third act monster development goes against every single aspect of that film's aesthetic that preceded it. In fact, the most ham-handed studio interference couldn't have damaged the artistic integrity of the film any more than Garland did with his writing and Boyle allowed. I have a question for you
3: guys about something that happens in this movie. We talked about Kappa, Killian Murphy, and he, he's the only one that can wear the suit, right? There's only one spacesuit. But there's, what, four people? And the spacesuit is going to carry him over from Icarus 1 to Icarus 2. And they have to do this shit quickly, right? So there's, there's a lot of pressure in this situation. Killian Murphy's in the suit. Two people are going to go hanging on to him. They're going to go through space hanging on to him without a spacesuit, but kind of wrapped up in, like, space foil. Whatever that shit is that, like...
4: <laughs> it's, it's insulation.
3: Insulation. Space space foil was better.
1: I like space foil. That's a good name. I like that
3: They're gonna put it on their head. No, but so they're gonna hang on to him. One person has to stay behind. I Want to know what what to you guys is like The better choice for you What would you rather do wear the space foil and hang on to someone wearing a space suit and try to get like launched through space? basically like bear in space right for a few seconds or maybe even just 1 second cuz it's in slow mo so it might be really fast or do you stay
4: behind and just die you are going to die anyway so uh I would say it's an easier I would say from the way they showed it that Cyril's death was probably a little more painful than Harvey uh what's Stacey's death
1: I don't know man getting your lungs frozen like that just No I know look but painful
4: it, but it's, yeah, it looked painful, but in real, real, realistically, realistically, it's a vacuum. You would implode like, probably instantaneously, I would think. Let me
2: color this out for you. It's very well documented how Harvey dies when he gets sent into space in this movie. They do almost a short film. It's like a. Yeah, it goes on for a while. It's a mini story within a story how Harvey specifically dies so the first thing is is he just slowly like misses the opening he kind of bounces off of it and you're like maybe there's hope but then from killian murphy's point of view he sees him floating out and he knows like obviously he can't jump out there and get him so he's screwed so then they show a close-up of harvey's face and his skin starts crackling because it's freezing and even the subtitles say skin crackling or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's fully aware of this. He's kind of like just holding his breath in awe like looking and then he takes his last breath. It's a panic breath and when he tries to breathe it, it all freezes out and it seems like a very painful lung thing but then the movie still lingers on it and he's yeah. still cognizant because he can see his own like reflection so basically dead frozen dude like floating and then they go back they cut to people in the ship they're talking and then they have like one little last tag on Harvey in that he's floated so far he's gone past the shield <laughs> so he's now in the path of the sun and his whole body just <laughs> burns up really quick well his eyeballs freeze too which oh is, is that part of it up. I missed that detail sorry what you're saying, Josh, is he had the worst death. How does it, how do his eye, when do his eyeballs freeze, Kylo? Maybe I didn't notice that detail. I think it's after the breath.
4: Yeah, it is. It goes like, it starts with the left side of his face and goes all the way to the right, and it's like freezing as it goes, yeah. I think it would be really funny if at the end, when the bomb goes off, it's just blown up. (laughs) And then like, you see Harvey still floating and it engulfs him like 25, 30 minutes later. That'd (laughs) be really funny, but... (laughs)
3: Harvey's a piece of shit by the way so that scene that I was talking about earlier with Harvey and like you just want to reach in the screen and like slap yep. someone or whatever that's that launch scene where he's telling Killian Murphy he's like no I'm in charge because the oh, captain yeah. died and the captain sacrificed himself by the way but he says yeah. I'm in charge I am so the give captain, me the suit now. yeah he says give me the <laughs> just, suit I'm the captain now which this, is uh, completely
2: I, I know I give him a pass, pass. he's panicking because he's about to die It's it's relatable yeah. right Brett
4: Yeah, again, I give him... It's a really, really bad situation to be in. Now, again, he probably should have realized that they were all going to die anyway. But um, I don't know. I give him a pass because I think he's past starting to crack. And this is kind of like... Also probably made him mad that he wasn't even considered. Do they not test any of these guys before they set him up? Again, how could you do 16-month tests When you, the time is the issue.
0: What happened? The airlock's destroyed. There's only one suit. Kappa's taking it. Why Kappa? Because the rest of us are lower priority. I'm not a low priority. You're a comms officer on a ship that has no means of communication. I am the captain. The mission needs a captain to hold it together.
4: Harvey, is the only person outside of Icarus who can operate the payload. There
0: is no choice. No, there's no choice for you. Kappa, I order you to remove that suit. Get out of the suit!
5: That is a direct order. I
0: assure you when I'm on board Icarus 2 that I will do everything within my power. To what? Shuttle back with more suits. The airlock is ripped in half. Once we break that seal, how are we going to repressurize?
2: I have a Stevie question that relates to that. But yeah. like, I think Harvey, I, I do love it. The movie making of when his shame breaks, it breaks hard and bad. And it's so embarrassing for him as an audience. But Stevie, my question is, in this version of sci-fi like Earth, where there's like very little sun, like seemingly even the equator is like re- resorting to be like Siberia or something. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Don't you think there'd be kind of a cult of death? Like, I don't know. I do think there'd be more of a stoicism among these, this crew of like, we're going to die on earth. We're going to die in space. We're going to die. I'd rather
1: die out here than die on earth. Like I think there'd be that right. kind of attitude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, Harvey's the e- like the most easily hated character, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because of that scene.
1: Yeah, I not a huge fan of Harvey to say Pinbocker. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the zombie. You can't forget about him. <laughs>
2: Pinbockers. All right.
1: You know, <laughs> you guys ever play the fighting game Killer Instinct. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What was was the what was the sun? God's name was it Icarus. Oh. oh Ra.
4: It was Ra, wasn't it? The guy
1: who's all fire pretty much. That that that's who Mark Strong is in this movie. You're not
4: you're not you're thinking of you're thinking of war gods. Or ki- something.
1: Killer Instinct, man.
4: Cinder. Killer Instinct was like a different game. Cinder. Yeah, Dude, Cinder.
1: There we go. Cinder. Yeah. He's all sun. That's who Mark Strong is in this movie.
4: <laughs> Killer Instinct.
3: But I mean we haven't really talked about that. This much, but like, there's something like primal that awakens in these people when they look into the sun, right? And it's the very first thing we see with one of the people on the ship, right? The first thing we see, I think, is like the sun and some shots of space, but like, when we see one of the people that's actually on the ship, the, what he's doing is trying to look at the sun with the maximum allowed brightness that won't burn out his retinas. And he describes it like a religious experience. It
2: engulfs you, bro. I have a note about this too because, like, as a crew, they discuss the difference between a float deprivation tank and being engulfed in light in the situation. And Stevie, haven't you done a float tank? I
1: have floated.
2: Do you think it's does the does the darkness become you like Phyllis? Bro,
1: um. So everybody takes a float tank differently, in my opinion. Everybody's going to have the same experience. Um, I've done it. I've floated probably three or four times now. Damn. And yeah. Okay, Pennywise. Hey, hey, you can float too, Kylo, all right? You can float
2: too. <laughs> Down here, we all float.
1: Exactly. Uh, Hi, Georgie. But...
2: Why are I you th- yelling at us?
1: It's really hard to explain. It's not like I like see things in the dark or anything like that. But I get into like a really meditative state where I become just at full calm. And it's just like me. It's like this idea of like me in the universe, if that makes sense. It, it's just that's the way I describe floating. It's just you in the universe by yourself. Do
2: you have no visuals at all? Or? No,
1: like maybe some like purple here and there. But it's just like the deepest form of relaxation I think I've ever had in my
2: life. Purple? Are you talking purp talking about that haze bro
1: yeah exactly <laughs> but i mean i have to imagine that that's what the uh what's his name Surtle or surl that's what he's like feeling at the time
5: yeah can you show me four percent four percent would result in irreversible damage to your retinas. Not
2: longer than 30 seconds hey Chris I'm gonna
5: reset a filter to three point one
3: percent. Yeah, and like you know I think after enough exposure, what they're telling us obviously well, yeah, obviously is the right word. Is that it's, you know, affecting their psyche. Mm-hmm. Cyril's like getting more and more burned up throughout the movie, right? He's been doing this a little
2: bit too much.
3: Cyril started yeah.
1: the mission a pale white guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could pull Cyril out of time in the middle of this movie and he had like a three hour podcast with Joe Rogan. And, like, <laughs> just dismantling yeah. what it's like to be engulfed in light or whatever. I don't know. You don't need sunscreen, bro. You don't need it. Jamie, Jamie, pull up that video.
3: There's something kind of cool about the aspect that this movie tackles, where there's like a, I don't know, something like almost barbaric or ancient that kind of like awakens in humans from staring at the direction of or into directly the sun, right? And I just think that's a—it's kind of an interesting thing. It's obviously how our villain of this movie, Pinbacher, became so crazy from prolonged exposure to that. But I think just conceptually that that's kind of cool, right? It, may, it just makes me think of like ancient man, like worshiping
2: the sun or something,
1: or the stars or something like that.
2: Oh, don't get me started. What? <laughs> Uh that's just like I love that shit. Was <laughs> actually ancient people
1: worshiping the stars?
2: Yes, but also all the there's way up It's a great to,
1: hypothesis about uh that's where Stonehenge came from. Oh, of
2: course it did. And then like all the way up to modern times there's like currently it's called a strobe scopic light or something and it is a light that like blinks at a frequency and brightness that makes you trip and it's like equal to taking like hallucinogenic drugs, I guess. It's really expensive to get this light (laughs) that blinks in your eyes. understand, yeah. (laughs) Ah, I got to get that light,
3: man. That's something I can do without any substance. Give me the light, give me the light. I can do the light. No one can fucking knock me on that in a fucking NA meeting.
2: I feel like it's so expensive that it's like prohibitive does it even work? Do like the twenty people that have actually afforded to use it? Are they telling the truth in their reviews? I don't know. Or are they but,
1: just ashamed they spent that much money and they have to say it worked?
3: <laughs> well, how not. much? It's like Scientology. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, I came this far, boys. <laughs> be real, Stevie. How much money does the float tank cost?
3: Uh, when I go,
1: it cost me for an hour. It cost me fifty six bucks.
2: Dude, you better be seeing universe. You better be seeing universes for that shit. Get you a good deal on float tanks.
1: No, like for how stressful my job is, man, if I can float, like it just puts me <laughs> at ease for like another six months.
2: Is it cold in there? Are you is like Chris Evans in the coolant? Like how cold <laughs> is the float tank? Oh, it's not cold at all. It's warm. <laughs> Cap- really?
1: <laughs> Cap- oh, dude, it's it's pure salt warm, dude. Like it's, it's not cold at all. The only, the only issue you have is you have to wear goggles, I think. Because sometimes that salt gets like a buildup on the tank and it'll drip in your eye and it burns. I had that happen to me like the second time I went. It was awful.
4: We should probably talk about the movie a little bit more.
3: What's your favorite part
4: of oh, the movie? Yeah. I think I explained it the scene with where he's talking to Brett. Icarus that was on, about the movie. Yeah. I, I, that, I'm not saying I didn't, I, I enjoyed everything we were talking about, but I was just trying to get us back on the rails a little bit.
2: Just because Jason on Instagram posted a story that said, are you guys ever going to talk about not knives out? No, nope. Like the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it roasted us for not getting to the plot. So maybe you're right. Which Jason? Jason Warren Smith.
3: Oh, that guy he listens to big dumb movies. cool as shit. Talk
2: about the movie, Josh.
3: Okay. Or else. <laughs> Sorry. No.
1: Does um I don't like I, I let me put it this way. I like this movie quite a bit. I'm gonna give it a yes. Obviously, I just there's some things I like nitpick around, being like, where it could it have been improved? Does anybody else wish that like Killian Murphy is his name Killian? It's Killian. I what is it? Chillion? Killian. Like, like,
2: like I will kill you, Killian. I've said Cillian yes. my entire adult I do, I've life. I've said Cillian
1: but... my entire yeah. fucking life. <laughs> the fact that his name is Killian is shocking to me and alarming.
2: It's definitely Killian. It's like the beer, Killian's.
1: Yeah, Killian's red. That's exactly right. I but dude, I thank you, Josh. I'm not the only one. I felt- Does that beer exist? What's that, Killian's red? Killian's Yeah, yes, yes, that's still a thing.
4: Okay. That's spelled with a K, though.
1: But, yeah, but stuff. Um, does anybody else wish that uh, Chilean or Killian Murphy's character uh, <gasps> was a little more like morally gray? Because in my opinion, like in, in, the ending, it makes more sense for him to be coming engulfed in the sun if he's the one we open with. That's like baking in the sun. And then he gets introduced to Pinbocker, who's mad. And then he's kind of like in between characters who aren't talking to sun gods and who are worshiping them. Is Anybody get, like get you know what I'm saying there?
3: Yeah. I think they might have like thought about that at some point because- That
1: to me makes a little more sense.
3: They talk about him dreaming about the surface of yeah. the sun, right? So I, I feel like they were almost going to lean in that direction partially, and maybe they did and cut it, but- Yeah, I kind of like that, you know, like the, is is this what Killian Murphy is on his way to becoming? Right. Any question like that?
1: Yeah, because then it can kind of put you in between, like, you know, where does like, what is his stance versus, you know, being a just, I guess, a worshiper of the sun and also having any humanity whatsoever. And he's kind of, like, caught in between of, like. Hey, I know like you like want everybody to die and whatnot, but can you drop that bomb off? And I think the ending of like him saving humanity and like becoming engulfed in the sun works if he's caught in between the entire movie.
4: He's also making amends, so it kind of works that way too. That's true. He's, he, he ends up saving it all, even though like you argued earlier, it's his fault. I mean, even what's his face said. This blood is on your hands, so but he makes it right at the end And
2: he put it on his hands, man. Yeah. I think what <laughs> I don't like about that Stevie is that uh Killian's character is basically like coddled and taken care of. Minus that one time where he's like volunteered to go out. That's like an exception. But the rest of the time everyone recognizes like he's vital to the mission. And in fact, mm-hmm. Is he more vital than the captain? I think a lot of them would argue yes. And so, I think if he's... I think they're all vital. I think if you uh, want him to be, like, the god character... I'm not saying like, I'm saying caught in between. Yeah, I do like what you're saying, but there's something about him being a little bit more normal when he's going through this coddling that's, like, relatable to, I think, like... I don't know. I just think sometimes in life you kind of feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like the feeling like, oh shit, do I like deserve anything like I really have? Like I get that. Could I have could I have gotten by without help from a person X, Y, or Z, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he's put in this weird position psychologically a lot of times where his life is being chosen over people he's like three feet from. So how how do you deal with that? And I, I like when the movie goes in those kind of directions.
1: Do you think they should have explored it more? Because I, I like what you're saying a lot, but it's like not brought to the forefront a lot in this movie. The idea that like people are like sacrificing themselves for him.
2: I mean, that scene with Chris Evans flipping and being like, yeah, Cap Cap is the most important. We got to get him across the finish line. Even though I want him to die, we need him. Yeah, that's what makes that moment so strong for like all of us, I think, right?
4: Mm-hmm. I love the apology scene early in the movie too. <laughs> yes. Oh, what, was that it? Was that your apology? Yep. Mace, I'm,
0: so I'm sorry. should have let you go, go first. Kappa, Kappa, it's me. I'm the one apologizing, all right? All right.
5: Was that the apology. Yeah, consider it accepted. Okay.
4: <laughs> consider it accepted or whatever. That, I like that. See, I don't think they hate. It. I don't think they hate each other. I think they're just all getting on each other's nerves. So, and he was really hurt by what he did.
2: Most of the marketing materials were like killing Murphy the main character. If you like, as a movie watcher, they are kind of like co-main characters, and I like thinking of it better that way. I think it's a stronger movie if you think of it that way. And honestly, if if zombie was gone and Chris Evans was brought even more to the forefront, it'd be even better.
4: I also think we're not giving enough, we're not paying enough attention to Rose Byrne. I think she's really good in this movie. I think she's really necessary in this movie.
5: Yep.
4: And uh, she's like the, I don't know what it's sound cliche, but like the heart, uh, the heart of the movie, and kind of the even keeled one. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess this is like right before Chris Evans blew up and. Um, I would say Kelly Murphy was probably the biggest star at this time.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
4: Uh, he had just done Red Eye Batman and uh, I guess 28 days later. So, I, I yeah, I see him as, I kind of see it as a trio at the end. That's That was kind of my point. But yeah, I guess the two guys are probably the big, they kind of play off each other. So it, I think it's, I see him as both the main character, but they definitely set up Killian being the main character, I would say.
2: Rose Byrne as Cassie is so cute in this film.
4: She's a cutie pie. She's a, she's a very attractive woman. They were going to make it a love story. Are we, are we all in agreement that Bad idea. that's a good thing they didn't do that? Yeah. They were going to have like Fuck love that.
2: scenes and stuff too. So. Good choice.
4: Um, yeah. You guys wouldn't like that? Yeah.
2: Love story? It didn't need
1: it. Oh, bro. What am I a girl? If, dude, if I'm on that ship and Rose Byrne is into me, I am worshiping oh, that girl dude. for
4: years. Hold on. Like, we are talking
1: about different
4: things. Yes. I, no doubt. I'm saying the movie the fact that didn't there,
1: need that. The fact that there wasn't more like masturbation in this movie is psychotic.
3: Like You have to allude to that. <laughs> like high Life. Like, high Life is like two hours in space and it's all masturbation. Dude, you have to <laughs> allude to
1: that a little bit. I mean, Steve. you do. You have to allude to that.
3: I
2: think what? every scene they show in this movie, masturbation, even if they had just done it, whatever's happening <laughs> is so much more important than that shit. Doesn't matter who was beaten off at all.
1: If there's well, downtime, is- man, like what else do you have to do? Play I mean, you can play
4: so much Euchre Josh. Like <laughs> they're there for a long time. They get on Icarus One, they realize that everything screws up because they just like keep slipping on zombie jizz. Like that's what really caused <laughs> it was one to fail.
2: It's all dust. It's ninety nine percent jizz dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: oh man. Okay, yeah, Stevie, we're we're talking about different things. Like, yes, she's she's gorgeous. Uh yeah, Killian should have been one of them should have been whatever, but the movie didn't need it. I wanna it. it was kinda like a big brother, little sister. I would have taken it, I guess, but that's what I think personally.
2: I wrote that jizz. Just- dust joke earlier for Jason Warren Smith. There you go. Uh, Just in hopes he would give me some free barbecue when I end up in SoCal someday. Just wanted to say. You ain't getting shit. (laughs) (laughs) Probably true. I have one last final. Are we on final thoughts? We can be whatever you want, Josh. Well, someone has to say we're on final thoughts. Anything
1: before Final Thoughts?
2: No. Okay, Josh, Final Thoughts. What's up? It's a Final Thought Stevie question. Let's go. There's a big discussion in the movie about how the crew wants to return home. And, like, the whole mission was set up. They would deliver the payload, and the crew would be able to get home safely, hopefully, if all went according to plan. Okay, Chris, I want you to run the math on the successful delivery of payload.
5: Okay delivery point reached. Detach the payload.
0: Stellar bomb initiated and detached. Crew and living section have four minutes to clear and commence homeward journey.
5: And four minutes after separation, boosters automatically fire. Payload boosters will automatically fire after four minute delay.
0: Entering coronal hole in south polar cap. Magnetic field structure open. Temperature 37,000 degrees. Reliability of projection has dropped below forty-five percent. Remaining projection is not open to useful
5: speculation. Variables
2: infinite. And there's also much talk about this four-minute delay specifically of when they would like launch the payload and it would actually detonate. <laughs> I'm just wondering, did your bullshit meter go up to a hundred when it was like there ain't there ain't no fucking four-minute delay on this thing? When you guys released the payload.
1: It's, re- yeah, yeah, no.
2: Game over, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, uh, like, are you being for real with me? Because that immediately I thought of that and then I thought of you. There's no wick to this dynamite stick.
1: Dude, that's, yeah, it's a little acme, right? like the four minute delay.
5: <laughs> right.
1: Like, I mean, while E. Coyote was in charge of this four minute delay, if there ever was. Like, you're, you're watching this going, like, a lot of questions. Why?
5: You know
1: what I mean? A lot of this movie, which it's a movie I really enjoy, but a lot of it is why in the four minute delay is one of them.
2: I just love the thought of the government being like, yes, crew, there's a four minute delay. Don't worry, you'll make it out of the blast radius. And yeah, that means
3: Killian like, Murphy's in
2: on it, though. As soon as as the crew leaves <laughs> the room, the government's like, yeah, so that time delay is about 0. 0.4 seconds? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Well, they're supposed
4: to release it from further out, right? So, I guess. I'm really
1: happy that this movie does exist. I mean, I'm, like I said, maybe a yes, but it's almost like kind of the some of the gripes I have with this movie. Christopher Nolan corrected or detoured from an interstellar and there's a lot that matches up.
2: Well, Interstellar's better than this movie. What are you thinking of, Stevie?
1: The idea that there's like a trip home when in reality there's not. The idea that they find a person who is marooned on the first mission and it ends up being a total sack of shit, but not a zombie, which is Matt Damon's character in Interstellar. Uh, Just stuff like that. Ah,
2: Dude, that, keep talking because I'm loving this.
1: Oh, there's got to be more. I, I literally just <laughs> thought about this because like it's like, you know, like whatever like went wrong in this movie in uh, the idea. Like also, you guys said, oh, love story would have been bad. Like love is what drives interstellar in that movie.
4: But by not I mean, sexual love, like, they literally
1: make a point. Right. But they literally make a point to say like it transcends time, which is something that they like kind of stayed away from in this. I get so, some of those
2: vibes when they're that in that like magnetic square thing. Yeah. And it's like turning in like the earth room. Yeah. No. 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 I'm talking about the very when they're like super. Think about the bomb. The zombies in there. Cassie's in there. Killian's in there. They're chasing each other around. Gravity's shifting. That's very Christopher Nolan esque.
3: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The bomb. The bomb. <laughs> the it's bomb. the bomb. It's yeah, it's my
2: it, bomb.
1: <laughs> no, just like little stuff like that. It's. I think I, Christopher Nolan had to have seen this movie before. Like. I'm sure he was writing Interstellar for a long time, but there's some bits of this he was like, we could do this better. That's all.
3: I want to say that the cast in this movie are a fuck ton of people that are in major yes. comic book movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through them here. We got Killian Murphy, right? He's the scarecrow in all of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Nice. Rose Byrne, the thing that I know her most from, is the X-Men movies where she's Moira McTaggart, the love interest of Professor X. Chris Evans. Everyone knows he's Iron Man. That's obvious. <laughs> and
4: and Human Torch.
3: <laughs> That's right. The Thing. You mean The Thing. I thought he was Hulk. Something like Michelle Yo. She is in Shang-Chi. I don't remember her character name, but she is a very key player in that movie. And she's awesome in everything. There's a war, war. Japanese fellow in this movie, Hiroyuki Sanada. This dude is in The Wolverine. so that yeah.
1: Oh, the, I know. Yeah, that's good.
3: Yeah, one of the Hugh Jackman X-Men movies.
1: I like that Benedict movie. Benedict
3: Wong plays Wong. He plays himself in the Doctor <laughs> Strange movies and the MCU at large. He was pretty awesome in She-Hulk. He's like one of the best parts of that series. Mark Strong is in yeah. Shazam. He plays yep. one of the villains really in Shazam. Evil guy, yep. The main villain, actually, yeah. Yep. What else you got? That's That's it. it. But that's almost everyone. That's a lot of people. That's a good list, Kylo. That's a really good list. I'll say actually one other small note on that. Cliff Curtis, Searle, he is in not one of those types of movies, but I guess genre enough to kind of be in the same category. Avatar, The Way of Water. He's the uh, leader of the water tribe. Nice. Does that mean that's Moana's dad?
2: He's Moana's dad.
1: Let's fucking go. I have no idea what that dude even looks like. That's awesome.
2: Dude, mm. I that's weird that he's such a voice actor because I I liked his face in this movie. Yeah. He's interesting. I, there's a lot of close-ups of faces in general in this movie, but a lot of close-ups, man, especially <laughs> at the end. Did the blur? I mean, I know I mentioned it in the uh
1: in the opening spoiler, but like what do you guys make of the blur action in this movie?
4: It's interesting. The third act has a lot of it. It was a betrayal. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, here is something we didn't. Can I? I'll come back to. You. I'll just try
3: to remember. A betrayal of the senses. <laughs> <No>.
4: <laughs> Throughout that, I thought it was cool, and then the third act again, it was like overwhelming.
3: You know, I, I like that fever dream state. I talked about this, but you know, there is there is something really warped in the mind of our villain, who's kind of like now directly going after the remaining survivors pinbacker there's something warped in his brain and it it's not just in his brain it's displayed in a way that the audience can kind of perceive it right he's never really in focus there's a lot of like weird dutch angles and i know i've been very vocal about how i don't like dutch angles but i think it kind of works here because like the ship is kind of like the gravity's all fucked up inside and like I don't know, we're seeing things presented visually in a way that I think communicates kind of the chaos, not just in the physical world and what they're experiencing, but in this villain's mind, right? Like his warped sense of uh, religious experience that he's kind of like had in these last however many years of isolation. That's kind of like, it's not just said. I think it's kind of demonstrated with the cinematography.
2: But- all those times they show the blurred out zombie. Never had the same feeling that I had when Chris Evans is carrying the knife because they voted him to kill Trey and you go to like Trey's bed and he's like missing. That was scary. Like that's better. That's far better. Yeah, <laughs>
3: that kind of stuff is is really the best stuff of this movie. And, and we were talking about like the little who done it tidbits in this movie. And I, you know, as someone who watched Glass Onion very recently, you can't help but notice when Chris Evans goes to get a knife to do the deed to kill Wong, there's two knives missing. And then Ooh. both of those knives make an appearance.
4: I mean know when you're done talking about knives out. He, he
3: wasn't. One of the knives is in Wong's <laughs> hand. <laughs> he has killed himself. And then we see the other one is being held by Pinbocker. So I just think that's a cool touch. Uh, I'm done talking about the concept of knives being out of a box now, Brett. <laughs>
4: Thank you. Okay, last final thought. I, we can answer this very quickly. I have a feeling some will like it, some don't. I actually really liked it. and was actually kind of, I know Josh made a joke about it in the thread, but I actually really liked the quick flashes of the staff that kind of freaked me out. It let me know. It made me think that we were walking into something crazy. So what did you guys think about that? We haven't talked about that.
3: Hmm. You're talking about Icarus 1, right? They're kind of yeah. investigating. They go on board. Yep. There's dust everywhere, and it's really creepy. It's like alien. Just dust. You get them subtly at first. You get flashes of faces, and then they start to become more noticeable, and they last longer.
4: And it's a picture that they show of this, the crew, which- looks like Icarus 2 took a similar picture where they're all like looking up the camera. Yeah. I thought it was uh, cerebral. I don't know what the word was for, Primal or something like, kind of this gave me the heebie-jeebies.
2: Yeah. I was just I thinking it, of all the jizz dust and how bad for you that would be.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be all Got clumpy.
2: Jizz dust in my eye.
3: <laughs> I need to flush it out. God. <laughs>
4: All right, I tried to keep it on the tracks.
3: (laughs) I I do want to answer your question, Brett, because I I really like that. It's just such a great movie, an amazing and well-made and thought-provoking movie in so many ways up until the third act. And again, I don't hate the third act, but it's clear where the superior portions of the movie are. Yeah. That's a great example of that.
1: I like it quite a bit, actually.
4: Do you think it's better than what Tyler Durden puts in movies?
3: Yeah, I mean, I like the
1: quick flashes like that. I don't like find it like scary or anything, but I thought it added like a nice touch.
4: Yeah, I don't know if I scary might not have been, but I was just like, oh god, what are they walking into? That's kind of what I was thinking.
1: Right, and there's kind of that element of pure suspense. Like
4: <sighs> again, it's hard for you to talk about it because you know what it's leading into. I leading know into something you really didn't like. And part of
1: me wishes there was a bigger element of dread upon like arriving on the ship than what it
4: was. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought
1: it was gonna felt happen. And it didn't. A little it felt- too yeah. It felt a little too happy in that moment. Especially like when you didn't hear voices or anybody, and you could ask like where is everybody? Like that's there could have been more an element of dread, even with finding, you know, overgrown plants for oxygen, like, hey, we can make it back now. I still think there should have been a greater sense of dread. I think that works better with what we got. But I like the quick flashes that they're pretty cool. I thought you loved
2: false victories. <laughs> is it really a false victory? <laughs> it's not, I, th- I just think this movie does that well. Like when they get the what? first sun panel down. Dude, that victory lasts like three minutes,
1: though. It's not like a false victory of like, yeah, let's go. And like, then we get like 10 minutes of what we're leading up to. And it's not. It's like, yeah, plants. Hey, mainframe's gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's true. That is true.
1: All right, let's do yes or no's. Uh, let's start with Brett.
4: Okay, good, cause I'm gonna go pee after this. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of didn't know what to think when I got on here, and then I heard you guys talk about the third act pretty early. So I was like, okay, I wasn't alone. But I'm more with Kylo. I didn't hate it. Um, it was just really weird. I think Stevie's kind of pointed out. It's like it's a just a unbelievable. Unbelievably cool sci-fi story. The first hour and fifteen hour and twenty minutes, and then I said it before. It like turns into like a fever dream of like what's going on. How did we get here? Um, I think some mistakes were made. I mean, again, uh, those guys are way smarter than I'll ever be when it comes to storyboarding and crafting and stuff. But overall, I definitely give this a solid yes. I thought it was really cool. I'm really glad I watched it, uh, Sydney. Thank you for picking it. I don't know, it's they plays it with moral ambiguity and uh it's just it's bleak. Someone said I uh, on online it was it's a bleak movie. It really is, and uh to, will I rewatch it again? I don't know, maybe. Uh but it's a definite I'll give it a solid yes because the first two acts are, are
2: so good. Josh from Goshen here. We haven't said the word bottle movie and I think I'm starting to realize like bottle episode movies are some of my favorite it's some of like when you look back at name some well we named 12 angry men earlier as kind of a joke but honestly like that's one of my favorites um the hateful eight a bottle episode the man from earth <laughs> is also like a super cheap one that's one of my favorites definitely a future spoiler but I think like what they do with like a very short cast and a very small, probably set is freaking amazing. I caught myself in the first two thirds of this movie several times thinking I can't believe how unbelievable of an experience this movie is. Like honestly, the first two thirds of this movie alone, it is probably a top 10 movie for me. And there's some mistakes in this movie. We've talked about them all on spoilers. We tend to linger on some of the mistakes because they they tend to be funnier things to talk about. But, oh my gosh, I just love this movie as a whole. I will definitely re this soon. Sydney, you are a little ray of sunshine in our lives for not only being a Patreon, but treating us to this like awesome movie. And like we wouldn't have been here tonight talking about this if it weren't for you. So... Thanks a lot, Sydney. Huge, huge yes for me. Maybe a top 10 spoilers movie. So, Sydney, I'm right there with you.
3: All right, am I up? You're up. All right, this is Corey, your boy Kylo Ren memes. I just want to say, Sydney, you're awesome, but I feel your pain. I know <laughs> that you have probably spent many years responding sarcastically to people that say, hello, Sydney, <laughs> trying to think they're really clever. I'm sure you've experienced that. I know because when I was a kid, boy meets world was a thing and it was Corey Matthews. Hey Corey, where's Topinga? Where's your right? buddy Sean? <laughs> <laughs> and then later on in life, Eminem became a thing and it was Corey Marshall Mathers. <laughs> So I understand, Sydney. But regarding this movie, it's a very good movie. It has to be a yes. It's so fucking good. I don't care if you don't like the ending, it's still a good movie, right? You have to admit that. This movie is everything that a thought provoking sci fi movie should be, right? And it's not always that. It has a genre shift. I think it's brave for doing a genre shift. And again, I'm okay with a genre shift, generally speaking. Could it have been better? Sure. But I'm not going to let that take away from the experience. You know, Quentin Tarantino is mad because they didn't fucking show Rose Byrne's feet enough, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes I hate when someone like Quentin Tarantino or even Quentin Tarantino himself really puts themselves in a position of authority and stuff like that. And maybe I'm just getting out of hand here because I think <laughs> the thing I listened to was him like introing the movie, I think for his theater for the new Beverly. I, I don't know, but look, Quentin Tarantino stuff aside, right? I know we talk about that guy a lot. <laughs> it all goes back to it's Pat boys. <laughs> His stuff aside, like th- this movie is just so well acted and it has such interesting dilemmas that can't help but invest you in the story. The premise alone is already something really great. It's like worth um, building a story off of, you know, the concept of this particular mission needing to be done to save humanity. And there's a lot of movies where humanity needs to be saved, right? But it's usually a threat emerges. The threat is eliminated, especially with this cast, who've all been in superhero movies, basically. But this threat, right? The threat of, um, for whatever reason it is, I kind of read some conflicting stuff online about how it's happening. Some people say this is not a man-made situation. Others say that it is, but doesn't matter, right? <coughs> we start off, we have this mission, we know what it is, we're going to get there. And then mistake after mistake after mistake this shit dominoes until it's a fucking horror movie. <laughs> and this movie yeah. is awesome. It's What a great time. So, hard yes.
4: Let me interject real quick. Uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote a movie that I, I actually can't stand. It's like, that's like the biggest genre shift of any movie I've ever seen. And that's from *Dust Till Dawn. So I have a hard time believing he can talk about like crazy genre shifts like when he wrote one that I think is terrible, but... I mean, you you know what? I I'm
3: really glad you mentioned that because even though I love From Dust Till Dawn, some people look at that movie as the same type of betrayal for the same reasons.
4: It's kind of it's like a crime noir type western, almost. It's like a, and then it turns into a freaking vampire slasher film. It just really caught me off guard. I remember being really shocked when I watched it.
1: Salma Hayek, film.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's it, a good argument. <sighs> but I can watch Desperado. That's true.
1: Okay, am I up? Yep. All right. This is going to be the strangest hard yes I'm ever going to give on spoilers. (laughs) I think this movie is absolutely gorgeous for a time. It's just... Outside the last like 20 minutes, it's just beautiful to look at, including the closing scenes. It's a really, really good movie. It's a carefully acted movie. (laughs) Uh, For like no one really has that kind of fly off the handle bullshit acting moment. Um, It just seems like these are actual people in space, which is really fun to watch. And like Josh said, you know, it seems like they, you know, didn't have a lot of like space to work with. This was made in a huge warehouse. Uh, they had 17 distinct sets um a lot of small models were used and a lot of green screen and CGI obviously were used um the sets were really cool uh yeah they had 17 uh, distinct sets and you know I like Danny Boyle's movies I really do include I mean I really enjoy the 28 uh movies that he does I mean he's 28 days later I can't remember if he did not can't remember or not if he did 28 weeks but um yeah I think this is just a really good movie and as much as I hate on that genre shift I still look at the first two acts of this movie as just a really really well made sci-fi movie and something I really enjoy and something I'm probably never going to forget honestly including The Betrayal it's just a really rememberable movie so hard yes and thank you Sydney for picking this it was really fun to talk about it I know it sounds like I was frustrated at some things just because I really, really love those first two acts. So, hard yes.
4: 28 months later, is in pre-production. It's been in pre-production for
1: years, man.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've been, I been—I think 28 Weeks came out in 08. Like, and that movie made money. A lot of money. It's like Kill Bill 3. T- 2000, 2007. Yeah, that movie made a lot of money. I saw that opening weekend. We've been waiting, that, waiting for that forever. Ended in Paris. Haven't heard a thing.
3: I forgot to mention this. Pappy is usually the one that goes this route, but the score is so good. Yeah. It's like soothing at times and it's uncomfortable at times, mm-hmm. but it has like really nice swells when the ship is kind of going through space that really brings it together well and especially you jives perfectly with that beginning portion in the movie that we like so much right the first and second acts it's funny too because you know we talked about the ending being the lesser part and it ends with some dumbass song that I I don't even remember how it goes or like what type of music music it is but I just remember being like that's stupid like
1: that's not Black Hole Sun should have been Black Hole Sun
3: it's
4: Peggy Sussed by Underworld and they actually had like beef with them I think they had to wait like an extra year because they were arguing with Fox or whoever made this. you so sussed by the underworld.
2: Pap would have brought up the soundtrack and we're all Stevie. Pretty sad Pap couldn't be here tonight, right? Yeah, I mean, he's on vacation, so I say
1: good for him. Uh, But
2: Is that the official stance we're taking? He's on vacation?
1: He is on vacation. Okay, sure.
2: I was going to say something different, but...
1: What were you going to say?
2: He's got to see about a girl.
1: Oh, that's good. I I
2: thought that was a good quote to throw his way. But before we leave tonight, Stevie, I do have a quick trivia to see who could throw it to Spoiler Man and get a quick hot take in. oh please do go ahead super quick we'll go stevie uh brett then kylo what is the current distance from the sun the earth is in millions of miles how many million miles is the earth away from the sun (sighs) stevie this i think okay a little bit trivia i think
1: this is what the million dollar question for the first person who won who wants to be a millionaire
4: um,
2: are we gonna if have to go from- down to the decimal? You and Brett gonna get close to the shit?
4: <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible at closest too. I think we already know that Corey's gonna pick really close to what Stevie guesses.
2: No, I know what it
1: is though. So you guys can go ahead. I don't want to win like that. Go ahead.
4: Uh, Thirty million. Hold
2: on. Forget it, me for a second. Go ahead.
3: So it's just me and Brett.
2: I mean, do you want me to win? It's only fair for you to guess, and then s- essentially, okay. I have d- I'll, I'll, I'll wait, listen, Stevie. What? I have it down to the thousandth of a million. It's 91.466 million miles away. Do you guys think Stevie just gets the hot take or what? What the hell? How do you know that?
1: Dude, I've known that forever. Like, that's like one thing. Like, I know someone asked me off the bat. It's 91.466.
3: Stevie's the man. He won. He, at the end of time, a moment will come when one spoiler man remains. (laughs) Then that moment will pass, man will be gone. But there will be nothing to show
2: that we were here except podcasts. No better pod to have a hot take and sunshine. All right,
4: take it away.
1: Okay. Uh, First off, once again, thank you, Sydney. And also, thank you to all of our patrons. Like We all of us obviously love talking about movies, but like knowing that we have fans out there that really enjoy listening to us is a really cool feeling. And, you know, we do this late on Thursday nights, and I honestly don't dread it because I know you guys really enjoy it. So thank you. And also thank you to Corey and Josh and Pappy, for all the editing you do for this podcast. I know on top of your job and now it's, you know your regular life, this is a lot of work. You guys do an awesome job with that, so thank you.
3: No problem, dude. The ultimate thank you would be for <laughs> you to do one yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a couple. Um, let's see. I'll say this. The
1: Last of Us um, TV show just came out on HBO this past week, and it's amazing. It's really, really good. Like they follow things perfectly. And I'll say this now, because after how much hate the second game got, like, I hope they don't like diverge from, you know, the second season. I hope the second season is just like the second game. If anybody who enjoys story or like any type of cinematic shows whatsoever, like cannot hate on the second season of Last of Us if they keep it the exact same, it's perfect. Anyone who says like the second game isn't very good is lying to themselves or is really strange. It's one of the most perfect games I've ever played. And so like seeing that hate when it came out, I was honestly bothered by it because it makes me think like there's a lot of stupid people out there. So I'll leave it at that. But even if you haven't played The Last of Us game, go watch the show with Pedro Pascal. He is incredible. It's an amazing show. They put a lot of money into it. Craig Mazin was a creator of Chernobyl and uh, the writer for that and he's doing this and he directed the first episode and he did a brilliant job so go watch that
4: save it for the last of us pod
1: oh i will there's there's lots to talk about that but uh <laughs> yeah uh, other than that that was spoilers
2: Special thank you to our Patrons. Druid King.
5: Okay, Chris. I'm gonna be taking control here for a while.
2: Matt Troll. I fucked up. Brother Brian. I fucked up. Nick. Our last, best hope. The Meg. While scanning the frequencies, I heard a transmission.
0: Nurse Stacy. You didn't reset the shields to the new angle. The Wall. 16 months, you can get used to anything. Barky 420.
5: Let me guess. The surface of the sun?
0: Davey Kerr. Darkness is an absence of something. It's a vacuum. But total light envelops you. It becomes you. Total movie recall. Respond. P.K. I don't know how. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Kappa. Gail. Kappa. Spencer. Kappa. If you'd like to request an episode,
2: hear your name read by Spoilerman, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on Patreon.com slash Spoilers Podcast. Be sure to check out
0: Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Our email is PodcastSpoilers at gmail.com. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. Leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google
2: Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible.
5: Just remember, it takes eight minutes for light to travel from sun to earth, which means you'll know we've succeeded about eight minutes after we deliver the payload. All you have to do is look out for a little extra brightness in the sky. So if you wake up one morning and it's a particularly beautiful day, you'll know we made it. Okay, I'm signing out and I'll see you in a couple of years.
0: Now, with such a harsh judgment against this final act, why would I choose to screen it? Quite frankly, because its first two acts are so wonderful, even its disastrous climax on a second and third viewing can't diminish their power. The third act of sunshine may have the power to enrage me, but what it doesn't possess is the power to make me forget what came before. Now, you be the judge. That was spoilers.